Hey everyone, I'm Kyla. Welcome to my channel where I talk about the stock market and the economy amongst other things. Today we're going to be talking about natural gas. So natural gas has been going through it for the past 72-24 hours. The February contract of natural gas went up 72% over the past 24 hours because there was a little bit of a short squeeze in natural gas. So today I'm going to be talking about natural gas and in general why we have so much volatility in the energy markets right now and the expected volatility that will probably keep on coming because of that. As a quick note, ECI, which is the Employment Cost Index, came in a little bit lower than expected, which means that the Fed is going to have a little bit less inflationary pressure there. However, the PCE, which is the personal consumption expenditure, which is what the Fed uses to gauge inflation, came in basically at an all-time high. Inflation is still a worry. What's going on in energy markets is probably going to make inflation even bigger of a problem. So let's talk about it. I don't even know where to begin. Somebody pointed this out in a tweet yesterday. There's a war of revenue and fuel in the nat gas market. So Russia exports a ton of natural gas to Europe. Russia is essentially responsible for 30 to 40 percent of Europe's natural gas supply. Europe is incredibly reliant on Russia, and Russia is in turn is a little bit reliant on Europe in terms of actually making money. Nat gas is about 13% of Russia's overall revenue and they made $62 billion off nat gas in 2021. There's a dual reliance here, but it's a war of revenue versus fuel, right? Russia, could they go longer without revenue or could Europe go longer without fuel? It's a lot easier to lose, you know, 13%-ish, 20%-ish of your overall revenue versus potentially freezing. So the world decided to transition to green energy policy without green energy investment, which isn't great, right? And I've talked about this before, but Europe was like, forget everything. We're going to go completely renewable. We're going to do solar. We're going to do wind. And we're just going to forget that we still have to somehow power this continent, these countries that exist within our domain. They've had this really stable relationship with Russia. Russia has been exporting natural gas to Europe since forever. And it's always been stable, even during the Soviet Union, even during the collapse of the Soviet Union. Russia has always been there, but now Russia is like, mm -hmm, never mind. We're going to go invade Ukraine. Forget about you. Sorry, Europe. Europe has greenified themselves at this massive cost. The whole thing is like, well, if we just pretend this isn't happening, um, it'll fix itself, which I understand. I too have avoidant personality issues. And I will say that there has been investment in green energy and th there's progress, but you can't just like, you know, shut down all these nuclear power plants, shut down all these coal plants and expect to still have stable energy sources. And I see this as a green energy advocate. So don't think that, oh, you know, Kyla likes coal. No, I don't. <laughs> I think there needs to be alternatives, but you have to invest in the alternatives in order for them to work. It's like this big relationship between Russia and Europe, where Russia exports a ton of natural gas to them. Europe is reliant on Russia because of that, and that whole relationship is falling apart, essentially. Even worse, you know, Russia is about to invade Ukraine. That's a whole different story. Ukraine doesn't seem convinced that Russia is going to invade them. The Biden administration met with U.S. banks today to be like, hey, you know, we're probably going to sanction Russia, so here's how you prepare for that. That's a huge part of this narrative and a huge part of why Russia potentially invaded Ukraine could be so detrimental not only for the Ukrainians that are going to get their home invaded, but also for Europe and in, in terms of how they access energy. So Russia is also a big exporter of oil. Oil prices are now above $90. Russia can also just decide to cut production on oil. So not only do they have control via natural gas, but they also have control via oil. There's also low spare capacity in oil, lots of underinvestment, a lot of underproduction, primarily because of just the weirdness of the past couple of years. You know, having the pandemic, oil went negative 
negative in March of 2020 and oil companies were like, what's going on? And if demand's gonna be really low, like we're not gonna produce as much because people are locked inside their homes. And also because of ESG policies. So companies get a boost if they say like, oh, we're not gonna use oil. <laughs> we're gonna greenify, we're gonna buy carbon credits. That's great until it's not great because then it leads to underproduction and underinvestment. Russia controls a lot of oil. It's part of OPEC. They also supply a 10th of aluminum and copper and produce 43% of palladium. They're also the largest exporter of wheat. Russia is a commodity exporting nation. So any disruptions, it's not just going to impact Russia. It's going to impact the world because we're a global economy. So if Russia decides like, hey, you know, we're not going to do anything. Number one, they're going to destroy their own economy. But number two, they're going to impact the economies and the lives of so many other people. That's the whole situation with Russia and commodities. And now Europe has to figure out how to get natural gas to heat themselves. The United States has stepped up and they're like, don't worry, we're going to talk to other countries to try and get this figured out. But there's infrastructure constraints on how they can actually get the natural gas to Europe. So there's a certain way that this, the infrastructure is in place. You can't just like go and ship it. You have to sort of have these different pipelines. You have to have different ways in order for this stuff to actually get through. That is also why Germany has been so adamant about Nord Stream 2, which is this pipeline that they want to open up into Russia and Russia into them. The situation with Russia is putting a lot of that at risk because it's like, well, we can't open a pipeline if you're going to invade Ukraine. Like, you know, yikes. But there's infrastructure constraints with actually getting natural gas over to Europe. I'm simplifying the situation, but that's sort of like the broad overview. Europe was like, we don't want import terminals from the United States who produces quite a bit of natural gas because we want renewables. It's also expensive because they would have to bid against Asian countries. So Europe is in a really tough spot because they're reliant on Russia. They have price constraints coming in from bidding against other countries. And then also they don't have the infrastructure in place in order to get it from other countries in the first place. With regards to Russia and how Russia is perceiving this whole situation, Russia does need Europe. Natural gas is 13% of their entire exports. And it's not like with this whole infrastructure conversation, it's not like they can just go, hey, everybody, like take our natural gas. They have to have infrastructure in place in order to redirect the gas to where it needs to go. So Russia isn't probably going to come out a huge winner if they're like, goodbye, Europe. Like, uh. Oh, that's kind of the geopolitical situation with natural gas. And then there's also market mechanics. So somebody shorted natural gas. The February contract was very thinly traded for natural gas. Liquidity was really tight. And so we saw the price spike. And then a hedge fund probably blew up. That's the speculation. A hedge fund blew up. Arkegas 2.0. So when prices started going up, that was a big yikes. They went up 72% at one point. So somebody definitely blew up. Now the March contract is going up because of this blizzard that's rolling through. And I thought this was just like an interesting aside. Putin came out, I think, on purpose and was like, now we're going to allow crypto mining to sort of take place in Russia. It already does to a certain extent, but he's sort of embracing it because Russia is really the perfect place to mine crypto. It's cold. There's a lot of access to natural resources in order to get those machines up and going. And then on the other flip side of that situation, you have the US who's going to enact some sort of regulation soon because they believe Bitcoin to be a matter of national security. There's rolling blackouts in Central Asia, which makes crypto's energy process not super awesome because they do rely on countries like Kazakhstan in order to produce this energy that they need to mine the crypto. And so if all of a sudden those energy sources go away, which if the power grid goes down, so does crypto, that's not good either. And so that's a big situation. And now countries are turning to coal again. There was a very good article in Bloomberg about that. China's demanding a huge amount of coal. Coal demand is likely to grow nearly 3% from 2019 to 2024, reaching an all-time high of almost 8.1 million tons of coal. So... 
You can make all this progress. And then if you just don't prepare for the future, if you don't prepare for what could happen with regards to energy security, you're going to have to revert back, which is why this green energy policy without green energy investment is so important. You're going to end up costing yourself even more down the road because you simply didn't prepare properly. And that's really the biggest thing is Europe is so reliant on Russia. They're so reliant on this idea of renewables that they haven't invested properly. There's a large amount of underinvestment, a large amount of underproduction because of ESGification, <laughs> because of greenwashing. It's just a mess. Energy prices are going to be super expensive. This is from John Arnold. Raw materials will be the constraint on growth this decade and no one is focused on it. We have this underproduction, underinvestment in energy sources that we still use every single day. And I get it. Like, I want to rotate away from them too, but we can't just pretend that things aren't a problem and, and hope for it to go away. You can't power a country on hopium. You have to have actual things. That's what's going on in natural gas. The big takeaway, geopolitical risk, a little bit of market mechanics, and underinvestment, underproduction, green energy policy without green energy investment has led us to this energy situation that we're in, and it will likely continue to get worse before it gets better. Leave your thoughts, comments, questions, concerns below. As always, I have a note page that contains all the notes for this video if you want to go check that out. Other than that, I hope that you're having a good day and I'll see you soon. Bye!